You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad. We heard there a few minutes ago from the Minister for State from the, the, for the Diaspora, uh, Colin Brophy, and he was talking about how the Diaspora strategy has been put in place to strengthen the relationship with the Diaspora. And one of the things you will have heard him mention was how this year, particularly during COVID, that the Samaritan's number was extended so as that it could reach into Canada, which it would allow people in Canada to access services from the Samaritans during these hard times. Previously, we've had conversations, and every month we've been sharing uh, programs from Healthlink Mental Health Services in Galway, who have provided and continue to provide mental health services to the diaspora. And the whole concept behind this is that it's not that the Irish are peculiar, but every group of people from every country have idiosyncrasies and have cultural differences from where they may ultimately arrive. So that when you are in problem, when you have a problem, be it a mental health problem or some other kind of problem, going to a local counsellor or a local therapist can actually present challenges because you might really be talking not a different language from the point of view of being English, but you're talking a different language in how we express ourselves, how we express our emotions, our feelings, our lack of feelings, or any of those things. And Helplink's mental health has been bridging that gap by making Irish-based Irish counsellors available to the diaspora. And that was an initiative taken on by Lachlan Scott a number of years back. And I said we've chatted with Lachlan before. And it's great to have him back on. Lachlan, great to have you back on. Thanks a million for coming. Asher, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, no, what you were saying there is, is, is very interesting. It's actually what we found uh, when we were initially researching the area of, uh, of diaspora. And we were actually, at the time, we were looking at, yes, Irish diaspora we're also looking at uh, the whole emigrant situation when it comes to mental health. And like you mentioned there, we're, we're not alone in that these problems uh, occur for us in our adopted countries that we go to. Um, and there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that will affect people uh, when, they go, when they go to their adopted countries. Um, and uh, uh, foremost amongst that is uh, can be loneliness. Um, so even if you have people around you, say you move to Canada and you're working somewhere and that kind of stuff, and you've got your peers and your colleagues and that kind of thing, and that's all fine, that kind of stuff, but there's still an element of culture that you've left behind that there is a, there's a, a wakeness for, there's a loneliness for. Um, and... Uh, that's, that, that's actually seen throughout the research as well. And uh, there, I, I have got the exact details with me right now because it was about four years ago we did the research, but uh, a large percentage of um, people are less likely to engage in mental health services in, in their adopted countries um, for various reasons. Some can be fear, depending on the country they come from. Um, so, um, some is stigma. Um, obviously, we still have a lot of stigma around mental health in Ireland, and that travels with us. It doesn't stay behind, unfortunately. Um, and then uh, you do have this situation where you've basically gone across the whole side of the world and your support group are gone that are around you and normally around you. Um, so that uh, also can be, can be very, very tough for people. What we have found this year is that um, that is actually um, 
changed in a way that there was, there used to be a, a lot of guilt about moving to a different country and leaving your family and friends behind. But this year, the guilt is almost reversed, that they can't get home to support their, their, their family during COVID and during the pandemic. Um, or they they have less opportunities to get home uh, depending on the lockdown and whatever country they're in because the service we provide is a global service. Um, uh, we really are, we've supported Irish all over the world. And we've supported uh, Irish people in 32 countries since we started this. Um, from Australia to Canada to Spain to Luxembourg to Philippines, Japan, Turkey, Thailand, pretty much you name it, uh, Costa Rica, well, we're, we are really a support Irish people all over the world. Um, and um, the same problems keep cropping up for the people that we're talking to. Um, and the, the major ones this year were, um, as I said, there the, well, the, the, the um, guilt about being away from their family uh, during this time is a very, very tough one. And coupled with that is the bereavement aspect, not being able to get home for uh, for bereavements for funerals and that kind of thing um, and then um, like everybody else the next biggest one in there was relationship issues um, uh, within, and then we have uh, quite a high lot of um, depression and anxiety are always very high up there on, on the reasons for people to engage with us um, but their depression was even more so this year um, and then you have this other Part of um, uh, of the the homesickness and the loneliness I was talking about you because they feel a guilt that they don't want to come back. Um, so it's 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 a very 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 tough thing for people. And then uh, the next biggest thing, both nationally and locally, with our, our with our national and local services, uh, as well as our Irish abroad services, addiction addiction has skyrocketed during this pandemic. It really has um, at home. We're up 300, over 300% on the clients that we we're dealing with in comparison to last year when it comes to addiction. Right across the board, we're, we, we, we are hugely above uh, on what we were uh, on the previous year, in 2019 is what I mean by that. Um, and then um, for uh, during, you can actually see, because we, we, we map our engagements, so um, you can actually see that uh, when... The first lockdown hit in March for Ireland and a few other countries around the world, Western countries around the world. Um, everybody stopped seeking support. Um, they literally went into a full, full lockdown. And also then it was very, very hard for people who normally could o- would only want to engage face-to-face. They weren't taking up the online option because they thought, oh, this will only be happening for a few weeks. Everything will be okay in a while. And I'll go back and I'll do my face-to-face sessions then and that kind of stuff. And those who had worked online were now finding it very hard to get the space, to a private space, to actually engage. Um, and uh, within within four weeks, then it just everything shot up. So by April, we were up 100, uh, over 110% on the previous year. June, we were up 150% on the previous year. And then in October, it started to go down a little bit. We were still up 50% on the previous year throughout July, August, September. But then the second lockdown came in in October. 
and we went back up to 90% up on, on the previous year of, the, of engagements, um, including new things. So this, this, this whole the whole concept, and that's why we, we, we had the global service for three years now, more than three years now, um, was to support people in a culturally sensitive way. Um, but uh, it's it's never so been never so been needed than it has now with this pandemic going on because you have this extra pressure on top of people uh, and this extra need to get the support. But when they're abroad, they're less likely to get it, so it's a cash money too for them. So um, the more we can get the word out, the more we can hopefully support people in that kind of thing. And that's we really appreciate Amazon again today. And Lachlan, as I understand it, the um, Department of Foreign Affairs have been uh, supportive and have assisted by helping get the message across through the diplomatic network that is out there as well. And while they may not all be fully informed of the range of services, etc., but that generally uh, that channel does exist. But the other thing I want to just highlight, you mentioned there that it was October, so you said the figures were up 90, or were at 90%. What you really meant was they were at 190%, I take it, like you were up 90%. Yes. Yeah, percent on the previous year. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, my apologies. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. That, that yeah. We want we want to make sure that it's an understanding here that this has yeah. been a real challenge and Massive. a challenge. But in doing that, you know, and and I want to focus back to you on this because you know we can look at the picture out there and say it was up two hundred. You were at two hundred percent or one hundred and ninety percent or whatever. But you mm. have limited resources. So yeah. if you have limited resources and now there's, your demand has doubled. Uh, and and it's under pressure and for you to be able to find the resources that you need in the form of human resources to respond to this demand must have presented you with challenges it, it was and it did um uh, and it does <laughs> but, uh, yeah, basically what we 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 knew this was coming and so what we did was when the first lockdown happened we increased uh, the amount of councils and therapy that we had on board. Um, we also then started working with a college, a counselling college in um, in Limerick here called ICAS, and we started um, uh, taking some of their master's level students on because it's, it's all voluntary work. The Irish abroad work is all voluntary that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we don't get any funding for it at all from anybody. Uh, I know you mentioned the department to start there, and the Department uh, of Foreign Affairs helps us out very much at the beginning to pilot it and test it in the first two years. And that was very, very helpful, and we're very appreciative of that. But actually, one of our biggest supporters and sender of information now is actually the GAA. Mm-hmm. The GAA are fabulous. Uh, every year they send out to their, um, uh, for the past couple of years, they send out to their club secretaries all over the world information about the service and reminders and that kind of stuff. And we've had uh, GAA clubs, for example, in Saigon, who did fun, uh, do fundraisers for us. Um, and that kind of thing, like so, um, they really have been massive help to us uh, in the past and in the present. Um, but to get back to your question, yeah, so we had to, um, we basically doubled up. Um, we were, we had at the before the lockdown, we had about uh, we had 19 um, therapists and counselors, and at the height of the pandemic, um, uh, well, the, fir- the first part of the pandemic, uh, we were up on 32 counselors. Um, working with that, with that load. Now, and the majority of those were doing it voluntarily. Um, uh, well, actually, as I said, the Irish Broad Service is completely voluntary. Um, 
So, um, and actually one of my worries HR-wise through that has actually been, I know everybody is talking about the nurses and the doctors and the fantastic things that they're doing and that kind of stuff, but uh, my worry is that nobody is really talking about the counselors, mm-hmm. the mental health workers. They, they have been absolutely inundated as well. Um, and um, my worry for them is that this pandemic is um, actually going to be causing a lot of, uh, uh, the word isn't blowout, but um, uh, uh, burnout um, for, for counsellors as well, because they're dealing, they're obviously dealing with their own situation in lockdown uh, and all that entails with their mental health, but also then they're, they're, they're helping other people and supporting them through this and that kind of thing. Um, uh, so yeah, my I do have I do worry for for our for our staff in in that, and we try and take care of them. We make sure they don't do too many sessions within a week and that kind of thing. And uh, so we have to be very very conscious of that. So not just the side of our clients, we also have to look after our counselors and, and our own mental health as well. When you mentioned that, what struck me as you were there, there and you were looking for a word in a way was that post traumatic stress, because in effect. Um, you know, the frontline healthcare workers and anyone dealing with uh, what are people in any type of trauma or in crisis, which are those suffering from COVID or those suffering mental health or and who, who they're interacting with, if those people are, are uh, on on such a level that they're not getting time to heal themselves, they're potentially going to find themselves with post-traumatic stress. Yes, exactly. It is really is a worry, and I think it's something that we have to be very, very conscious about when it comes to our to our staff. Um, and um, my hope is that uh, that's the same as is happening. Um, that 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 um, taking care of of our frontline workers, including mental health workers, is something that really needs to be kind of really brought uh, out into the public conscious a little bit more. Um, and uh, um, all the traps in the world are, are fantastic um, and very supportive and that kind of thing. But we also have to be very aware that um, that uh, everybody needs to be taken care of uh, during this time. Everybody's mental health is affected uh, by this situation, from small to to, to, to large. So, Lachlan, prior to COVID, you know, mm. the service that you were offering made, and everything makes sense, but I want to put this in context. You know, when the Irish are abroad and you, be it, I'll never forget the first time I was in Vancouver, and I was walking along the street, and I went into a, a restaurant uh, for a bowl of soup. And Dolores O'Riordan's zombie was playing in the background. And here I got this kind of shiver that something from home was mm. happening, and I'm in Vancouver. Mm. And we, in a way, tend to re- relate when we're immigrants and we're abroad to mm. an Irish accent or something like that. And a bond will form very comfortably. So I think I, I, what I'm trying to come to in a way is that I can appreciate fully that if somebody is struggling and that the person that they connect with has the accent that they are comfortable with, mm. that in enough can be enough to immediately ease tension at a certain level and allow for a trust at another level. Exactly. And uh, what we've always said about our service is that Ideally, what we're trying to do is get uh, the client uh, into a place where they can actually engage with the services in their locally, in their adopted country. Okay. Really, that's, that, 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 that's our ideal, is that we will support them to be able to, to get to that place where they feel comfortable enough to engage locally. 
uh, will always be there for them. But it's a bet the best thing for them is to be able to engage with local mental health services as well, you know, within that. But yes, there is that thing there. I mean, myself, I lived in the Netherlands um, when I was young for, for a year and uh, I worked in an Irish bar. And uh, I had never, well, I, I'd heard Christy Moore in the background in shops and that kind of stuff before. But I was listening to Christy Moore and little tears coming in the eyes and that kind of stuff. And I was what is going on? <laughs> like, you know, this, this, this thing. And I, I, since I came back, I don't think I've listened to him. Uh, do you know what I mean? Unless he's been on the radio. But uh, yeah. but not purposely listened to, to, to the likes of, of Christy, who is a brilliant singer um, and musician. Um, but uh, that's what I mean. I, I completely get what you're talking about when you're talking about going to that cafe. It was the same thing for me. I was kind of going, what am I talking about? 16 pints of stout and <laughs> stuff like, you know, there is that... No matter how good things are for you, and look, it's not, and you know yourself, it's not good for everybody that emigrates, but no matter how good things are for you, if you are in a good place, there is still that, that strength back home, that right. thread that goes back home and that kind of thing. Like, and if you're able to talk to somebody who, who knows about that string and to use the analogy, um, uh, then it is much, it's much more comfortable experience for you to, to be able to get what you need off your chest. And you nearly want to pour your heart out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the the fact that this person, even though they're Irish, they're completely independent. They they don't know you at all, and they don't know your family at all. They don't know your local parish at all, any of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So there is that independence, that professionality, but yet at the same time, it's almost like a warm hug hearing the accent coming back at you. So moving forward to... Last year, if you were to say since last March, lessons learned, and by that the question I'm asking is here you've found yourself in, uh, and we keep hearing it, unprecedented, so we won't use that word. You've, you've found Green yourself <laughs> in, in, in different times with different demands mm. that would have caused you to initiate and be creative in responses to the situation. So, as a result of that, uh, have there been lessons learned that are causing helping mental health to look to the future and say, we can actually service our clients better. We've learned these lessons during a pandemic, and if we modernize or not modernize, if we adapt or if we change or if we look to the future, can we connect with our clients better? Uh, you see, I suppose I, I, I've actually answered this question before uh, recently, um, and, and uh, it was posed a little bit differently. But the funny thing about HelpLink is we've always been at the forefront of using online technology to to work with our uh, work with our clients and to make these types of services accessible. In fact, when we started eight years ago. We, uh, we only did online counseling. Um, so what actually happened um, during the pandemic itself was um, that we had organizations, because we're, we're very, very, very big about working with other organizations and partnerships and that kind of thing. We had these um, relationships with other organizations, and they came to us and they said, can you support us in how we'll do this and we do this right? Because they knew we'd been doing it for so long and that kind of thing, like, you know. Um, and... Uh, of course, we're completely open to helping and supporting others, so we did that. Um, and but the 
the strange thing about it was at the time we were we were saying there must be a way of doing more and getting more information out to people using online technology. So fortuitous, uh, 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 I'm going to say that word wrong, but uh, fortunately um, at the time we were working with uh, NUIG's um, master's uh, students from the business uh, and information systems school there to develop a platform um, called mindhacks.ie. So we were working on that in the, uh, from the October of 2019, and we released it early. Um, it's still not fully finished, um, but we're working on it at the minute. Um, we released it early during the pandemic because one of the things that we found from our research um, uh, over the years was also that when people are using online technology to get information around mental health, most of the time, they're searching through lots of content of articles and the written word and that kind of thing. And that's, uh, and they're, they're less likely to actually finish the end of an article, um, compared to listening to a podcast or watching a video. So what we've done, and as far as we know, we're the first in the world to do this. We've, we're, we're collating a libraries of videos and podcasts from all over the world about taking care of your mental health about what mental health is and all this kind of thing. So now people can go to mindhacks.ie. Um, and it's, it's, it's a little bit slow right now. We're working on the platform, and it should be nicely jazzed up and ready to go for, for April of this year. But um, right now you can go in there, and there is um, over 300 um, videos and over 300 podcasts, um, and podcasts from home as well as uh, abroad, uh, all around mental health. And um, you can go in there. No matter what age you are, there's content in there for children, for young people, for parents, and that kind of thing. There's a really new filter system in there. But basically what we've, we've, we said, like, we just basically, to answer your question, what, we, what we've learned was that we needed to enhance what we were doing to gather the information to people in the way that they wanted to view it. Right. Right now, people don't want to be scrolling through articles to find out the information they want to find. They want somebody to tell them about it. And whether that's through video or through podcast. That's the way it's, it, it, it works. And the research shows that people are much more likely to watch a video to its end than they are much more likely to watch a video to its end or listen to a podcast to its end than they are to read, to read an article to its end. So we said, look, there's lots of websites out there with lots of great information and text-based information, and that's fantastic, and it's really, really good to have it there. Um, but we need to be looking at how people are engaging with mental health information now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and into the future. And that's hopefully what we're trying to do with MindTax.ie. We're hopefully to future-proof that and how people um, access information. Well, that's a fantastic area for us to kind of wrap up on then because uh, you obviously, um, it, it, you, they, you were listening, you did hear, <laughs> and as a result of that, you said, we need to do better. And that is the lesson that's learned. And oftentimes out there, so yeah. many people say, we just do what we do and we'll keep doing the same over and over again. And they wonder mm. how come our services become obsolete. So in that yeah. sense, the lesson learned is how do you avoid becoming obsolete? Yeah. yeah. So exactly. Lachlan, exactly. You have to move yeah, how people want to engage. Yeah. So, Lachlan, I want to thank you for taking the time. It's been brilliant connecting again, and as more evolves and as you, we, uh, you learn more and or as the platform achieves greater functionality, we'll be delighted to help mm. share the message. Fantastic news. Thank you so much for the time, Austin.